Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Playback Podcast. My name is Noah. I have Hyder sitting right across from me, yeah. looking at me in my eyes. I don't think I've ever stared at Noah for this long. Yeah, it's a little weird. That's why I always put the chair in the corner, and then this thing is blocking my face. Nobody so puts Hyder in a corner. Um, hi, how's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode. This is episode five. Uh, we got a good show for you today. I got actually got a surprise for you. Hold on. Oh. Uh, can you just wait here and talk to him? Uh, yeah. Uh, I always end up cutting off Noah, so he struggles editing. It's a bad habit. I'm trying to work on it, guys. Um, this is really awkward. He's never left me alone before. We do have some movie news coming up for you guys, uh, and then two reviews of movies. A uh, movie that is very near and dear to me and Noah, and then Shazam 2. I have no fucking idea what he's going to grab, though, right now, so I got anxiety. What? Yeah. Why? I'm fasting. You're doing that today? I start in two days. <laughs> That's not in two days. Not today. You gotta cut off this entire part. Are you serious? <laughs> what did I do this for? I don't know. You should have warned me beforehand. That that's the whole part of a surprise. Damn. That sucks. I had a surprise for for Hyder. And um, because we're we're doing a, a pretty fun review, in my opinion. So how the show is going to go is we're going to talk a little bit about some movie news that came out. Damn, I'm really disappointed. We're going to talk about some movie news that came out and, um, you know, talk a little bit about that. And then we got a special review for you guys. Um, we're not going to be reviewing Sham, uh, Shazam. We're going to be reviewing The Last Airbender, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, <laughs> that came out in 2010. And um, anybody who knows me and Hyder, we are diehard Avatar The Last Airbender fans. Diehard. So it breaks my heart that we have to... And I'm going to try to be pretty positive and pretty nice about this movie. Um, because I feel like every movie has some good parts to it. <laughs> it's just going to be really fucking hard. See, me and Damn. I disagree on that. That movie fucking sucks. That You know what fucking really sucks? Yeah, that really sucks. Damn. Anyway. You can have some if you want. No shit. I'm going to, yeah. Here it is. Here. I got, hold on. Nice. There you go, bud. We got our respective drinks right now. <sighs> I didn't know um, Hyder did not drink alcohol. So, uh, I guess I'm going to be the only one drinking when Hi. we do uh, our Avatar review. But, Hyder... How you doing, buddy? I'm actually doing good. I've had a good week. Yeah. Um, how'd your week go? It was great, actually. Uh, I watched Shazam. You know, we're not going to review it today, but I think that, you know, I still want to talk about it a little bit. I talked a little bit about it on in an episode that we did earlier in the week. It's it's not that big of a movie. Um, it's not doing very well from what I remember reading about it. Yeah. Um, so this week, uh, weekend, it only brought in $30.5 million domestically. Um, that's terrible. There are a bunch of movies that you might know that made more money than that. Um, Morbius 2. Yeah. Not Morbius 2. What the fuck? Morbius. I Morbius. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um, Morbius made more money. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, obviously that made more money. Week 2 of Scream made over half of that. Yeah, which is really disappointing, I think, that um, because this was a really good movie. 
and it, it sucks because it's a part of a dying universe and not a lot of people know that that it's just it, it wasn't marketed well yeah i mean we said that about what three episodes ago mm-hmm. that i talked about how shitty the marketing for shazam 2 was mm, guys blue moon wow that is delicious that right there that's a great beer good lord hold on let me get some yellow red bull guys mm. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> Hyder didn't even watch Shazam 2. Yeah, I didn't even bother, honestly. Uh, was there any particular reason why you didn't want to? Or you just kind of felt the need that you didn't have to? Uh, both. I didn't want to watch it because I was like, once again, dead universe. I, I don't want to waste my time watching something that doesn't even matter anymore. Mm. Uh, which is part of the reason I think it was marketed so poorly. Because, again, this movie does not matter. Uh, none of the heroes in that movie are surviving the next universe uh and then again i just didn't feel like wasting my time for for the majority of the audience they're really into cinematic universes now um marvel kind of popularized that and dc tried to replicate it but that's part of the reason why dc was never successful at it was because they just tried to copy um how marvel did their their stuff and it, it sucks because all of the, you know, the headlines are talking about the, the reshuffle at Warner Brothers and at DC. James Gunn's taking over, so it's going to be basically an entirely brand new universe. And he's even come out and said that, yeah, we're going we're gonna to start phase one of the new DCU. I, I, I have a feeling that it has a little bit to do with of that and just a little bit of, like, Warner Brothers didn't market the movie well. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that audiences really care that it's a um it's a a dead universe i think that i've only seen two trailers so i feel like everybody else might have seen the same trailers i'll give a little review on it um overall i thought the film was really good i i think that the direction was very very good david f sandberg he's done movies like um like lights out he did annabelle creation um and he did the first shazam so these are all really good movies. He has a bunch of horror elements in there that that caught me by surprise. A lot of the monsters um, were straight out of like a John Carpenter movie, which was really cool. And I think that the way that the story went, um, it felt like a 2000s superhero movie. And you don't get those anymore. Like a standalone superhero movie. So like, for instance, Spider-Man 2 was a sequel but you can watch Spider-Man 2 without watching the first one. You could watch Spider-Man 3 without watching 2 or 1. Stuff like that. It felt singular. And something about that really caught my eye because I haven't had that experience in a really long time. Um, we've been watching, you know, sequels and, and, you know, Disney Plus shows everywhere. And it's like everything is connected, which is really cool because at the end of it, you have an overarching story that's very interesting. But... Something about Shazam, Fury of the Gods was really, um, really fun for me. Um, the one thing I'll say, I don't think Zachary Levi and um, Asher Angel, the guy who plays Billy Batson, they don't act like each other, like at all. And it's it's really uh, apparent in this movie because Shazam in this movie really acts like Freddie Freeman, played by Jack Dylan Grazier. And it took me a couple times to watch it, but yeah, I feel like they should have reversed those roles because Jack Dylan Grazier is really good in the movie. I just wish he was playing Billy Batson and not Freddie Freeman. Uh, 
remember haven't watched it since the first one that's to do with the crutches right yes okay yeah, yeah no so um <clears throat> you know zachary levi's performance is a lot of stuttering it's a lot of stammering and and like a bunch of high energy movements i mean if you think about it though zachary levi has been acting for quite a while yeah uh same thing with that kid he was in it a few other things and now he's in this movie so he's i guess more a more experienced actor holy shit he was in it huh yeah he was one of the main characters yeah he was um he was uh bill Hader's character right in uh, the in the second one he's the grown-up version well the kid version he's richie he's richie you're right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh okay. so yeah I, when they were in the first part it was a kid who was like terrified of things yeah would stammer a lot it wasn't the stuttering like you know mm-hmm. Uh, but he would stammer quite a bit. He was afraid of other things. Like, mm-hmm. he was a very nervous kid. Okay. Yeah, no, he's a really good actor. Yeah, so, I mean, so is Asher Angel. I just think that the, the content didn't really... I just think it's, it. like, the experience they got. This kid, this kid was acting alongside some really good actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's got quite a bit of experience. Um, that's all I'll say about the movie, really. I, I did enjoy it. Um, but you do want to talk about the post credit scenes because it sets up some stuff. And, um, I mean, spoiler alert if you guys care about Shazam. Fury of the Gods spoilers, but it's a dead universe at this point. So, did they not get word beforehand that this thing was dying? Because I can't imagine that this just happened. It had to have been in the works for quite a bit. Yeah, and and I think so. the The post credit scene is is involving two characters from Peacemaker, which is a, a James Gunn DC show, and it involves his wife, um, Jennifer Holland, plays a character along with a, another um, fan favorite of the, the Peacemaker show, and they're basically recruiting Shazam um, into the Justice Society. And that's the same, that's the same. what do you call it, right? The same team from Black Adam? Uh, yeah, that's the one with... That's uh, Dr. Fate and Dr. Hawkman. Dr. Fate, so? Hawkman, uh, the two shitty characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, I don't know. They were, they were definitely setting something up. But some background on that, because like you said, they had to have known that this was a dead universe. Um, they originally wanted two characters from Black Adam to show up and recruit Shazam, but they backed out at the last minute, so all they had was really these two other characters from the Peacemaker show. Again, all this shit doesn't matter because it's a dead universe, and um, this post credit scene is probably going to lead nowhere, but they will never say that because that's just bad PR, number one. Um, it's bad PR for their upcoming movies like The Flash, upcoming movies like Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and Blue Beetle, because then... If you start saying that now, like, oh, hey, guys, these these movies aren't going to lead anywhere. Nobody's going to go see Blue Beetle. Nobody's going to go see Flash. Nobody's going to go see Aquaman. So um, it's kind of just like, just take it and like, we're not going to say anything about it for a little bit. But just know that we have uh, phase one, Gods and Monsters coming. The only ones that would really affect would be Aquaman and Flash because Blue Beetle is surviving. Well, so how it went was um, he said that Blue Beetle is is singular and um it's not in his phase one however um there's a chance that it survives like he can he can incorporate all the stuff that they say uh retroactively later down the line um just because they don't really mention any of the old stuff he said that also about shazam too they don't really mention a lot of the stuff in the old dceu um yeah until the post scene. my thing is you don't quite need shazam you don't. He's yeah, not really but like in, a... He's a cool character. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Shazam down later in the line when he's in the Justice League is a massive part of the Justice League. Uh-huh. But you, you, I feel like you would need Blue Beetle because one of the first parts of Phase 1 is Booster Gold. You know, and I really want to see Blue Beetle, man. I, yeah, I really, the, really want to see that. 
from what I've seen in the trailer so far and like the little clips that we get mm-hmm. on Twitter and shit, looks like one of the best costumes in any superhero movie. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in that. And I, you know, I'm still going to watch all the DC projects that come out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's just that's just that. I mean, this post credit scene is probably going to lead nowhere. Yeah. Still going to watch everything. So, like you said, it was supposed to be two people from a Black Adam. Mm-hmm. The main, like, proprietor of all this stuff and who was trying to build a team was Amanda Waller. Yeah. Those two characters they brought from Peacemaker, who do they work for? Amanda Waller. That's what the connection was supposed to be, but no one clicked it. They were just like, oh, this is James Gunn's wife. Yeah. He just wanted to throw her in a movie. Which is not at all... First of all, He's not that, wasn't, that wasn't James Gunn's decision because this movie was made, like, a year ago. Yeah. Uh... That that was what my main issue was with it. It was like one Peacemaker is probably my favorite superhero show, uh, outside of I think Invincible, Miss Marvel. No, like continuing show. Okay. Uh, it's Peacemaker because Peacemaker's thing is season two, and then I think Invincible is ahead of that, mm. just because Invincible is a little different. All right. Well, speaking of um, you know, superhero projects, and speaking of superheroes mm. and the studios that work uh so victoria alonzo left marvel <laughs> that was a good segue yeah uh, i found it yeah anyway uh victoria alonzo was the basically like the head honcho of the uh, cgi and visual effects department over at marvel studios she stepped down today and um a lot of a lot of uh, speculation started coming off of you know is this because of the backlash of the CGI that Marvel has been recently putting out. Um, and yeah, it's it's basically that. Uh, what do you feel about this? Because I didn't know that like Victoria Alonso had that big of a role. I mean, before today, I wouldn't have known that. But with all like the stuff that's coming out, like saying that she created hostile workplaces, mm. uh, she would freeze out employees mm-hmm. that didn't like meet her standards. And I don't know what that means because wouldn't you want that? Like, yeah, but then again, from the comments I've read and things that people have said, it does make a lot of sense that they would move on because she has been in that role for quite a long time. And if it's getting that bad and you have been here and you're experienced, there's no other really choice but to move on from you and get some like new fresh mind in. Mm-hmm. She uh, she's been in the in the studio for about fifteen years or so um, plus as a chief of visual effects and post production. Um, you know, she worked on Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, uh, the Avengers, stuff like that. So she also served as executive producer on a lot of the, uh, Disney plus series that started coming out. And in 2021, when all of these Disney plus shows started becoming very important to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she got promoted to president physical and, uh, post-production visual effects and animation production. She was the president of all that stuff. So um, it's really telling because 2021 was kind of where we saw the the visual effects stuff and all the post-production stuff kind of dip in quality. And um, I don't know. I don't want to cast blame on her, but if she was the president, it's kind of hard not to. I don't don't think the blame is on her, but allowing the stuff to go. Mm -hmm. That's what's on her. I was talking to somebody on Twitter also about... um, you know, oh, we have to we have to hold Kevin Feige accountable also because he let this stuff get approved. Guys, you have to understand that when um, you know Bob Chapek, the the CEO of Disney, took over, he took away a lot of those freedoms that Kevin Feige had 
in the years prior. So Kevin Feige had more responsibility, but he wasn't always necessarily in charge for the last couple of years. Obviously, now we have Bob Iger, who is the CEO of Disney now, and uh, we have a better we have a better workplace, a better you know we're getting more time to focus on post production, and um, we. I know, I know, dude. I was gonna say that too. Um, you know, <laughs> Marvel Studios, the fans, we get better projects because of this. Yeah. And um, you know, I think it's all in all, it's it's gonna be fine. Kevin Feige and Bob Iger know what they're doing. Um, isn't the accountability though now? Like, I don't know if what the conversation was. If it was just a personal, I'm gonna step down, or if it was a conversation with Kevin Feige. So right now, she's saying that she stepped down, but. I mean, everybody knows that that's like a PR thing. Yeah. Like they say that just so that, you know, no drama comes from that. I'm just, I'm curious about it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who they're going to get to replace her. Uh, I don't even know if like it's going to be that big of news because once again, we're going to get just more quality projects. So what, what, what I've gotten from it is, like you said, 15 years. Right. So she has been here from the start. Mm-hmm. So we've seen she's been in charge or helped out with all of their major movies. Yeah. Which means she's also been here for some of their best and or CGI moments. Yes. So that's what I think the argument here is. Recently, it's been more bad than good. Well, again, remember, she got uh, promoted in 2021. And that's yeah. when it started getting more like, bad than good. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm assuming they rooted it back to that cause. She mm-hmm. was promoted this time. Yeah. And you have an executive producing role in our what's getting like called out the most the shows more than movies yeah i mean you know the cgi has been a really big um kind of eyesore for me it's it's turned me off on a lot of uh projects ant-man and the wasp quantumania i thought had really bad cgi and you know i'm i'm one of those people who like defend the cgi in marvel nowadays because like it doesn't look that bad but then i saw quantumania and i was like okay well then damn it looks like everything's literally on a green screen um, so I understood, but yeah, uh, let us know what you guys think in the comment section. You can actually comment on Spotify for real. Yeah. There's actual comments on there and I just learned that. So, uh, anyway, speaking of sequels, <laughs> near and dear, speaking of sequels, uh, you want to take this one? Um, yeah, I mean, let's just fucking say it. Good burger too. Yeah. Good burger too. Um, good burger, obviously being the classic, Nickelodeon movie starring Keenan and Kale, and um, it's finally getting a sequel going directly to Paramount Plus. Uh, what do you think? Well, first things first, I need to go get Paramount Plus. Uh, don't have that. Yeah, Paramount Plus is really good. There's so service. much shit on that fucking mm-hmm. streaming service. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, as long as they don't make it like we were talking about this earlier, a super corny like sequel. Yeah, it should be fine. It's one of like, in my when I watched it as a kid, it was like one of the funniest movies ever. It's still mm-hmm. a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just like little kid humor to mm-hmm. me, but uh, they're they're what thirties forties now. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see what they're gonna do with it. They're whole ass adults. Yeah. You know? So I don't know where a movie about you know working at a, a fast food shop is gonna you know bring us. Me personally, I recently watched Good Burger for the first time maybe like three years ago. Really? I didn't grow up with this movie. No. Mm-mm. So uh, I don't have that much of a, an emotional connection with it, but. I always love seeing old franchises get like a sequel or a revival or something. Only thing is, is that it's streaming. I wish it was in theaters. I don't, I don't remember. I don't even know if the first one came out in theaters, but 
I only remember watching it. Well, like it definitely for, didn't come out streaming. Yeah, yeah obviously. But it <laughs> might have been straight to TV. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember watching it on TV. Uh-huh. It'd come out on TV like every couple of weeks. It'd just be that playing on TV. Yeah. I mean, hey, good for them, man. Uh, apparently, they've been trying to get this movie made for years and years and years, ever since the first one came out. All right. That's that. And uh, let me just take a sip of this beer real quick. Um, we're going to take a quick break because we actually have a sponsor for today's episode. Nah, just kidding. I was say, uh, I was but that that would have been cool, huh? Red Bull? Uh, nah, we ain't got no sponsors. As I said, me and Hyder are huge Avatar fans. I have an Avatar tattoo. Hyder has an Avatar tattoo. Um, we're winning. A whole bunch of Avatar content is coming our way in the next five years. Avatar Studios recently um, recently got opened up a couple years back. And this all stemmed from Avatar The Last Airbender uh, being super popular on Netflix, being the number one show uh, during the pandemic. So Thank you. I was going to say, I was like, it, it was all a yep. revival. Like, everyone yep. realized how much they love this show. It came back out on Netflix. Yep. And I fucking, I think I watched it three times over like the mm-hmm. course of the entire quarantine, which is. It's a long time. And um, I absolutely love the show so much. My kid's name is Zuko. So like, we're huge fans of this fucking show. Yeah. And this whole universe. Um, that being said, it's not all good though. Yeah. It's not all good. And uh, there was a, a big misstep um, coming from Mr. M. Night Shyamalan, director of Signs, director of The Sixth Sense, director of well, th- one of the worst movies of all time, honestly. The Last Airbender. Okay. So this movie came out in 2010. Um, for me, I don't even remember watching this movie in theaters. I believe the movie only made 170 to... Uh, around like 250 uh, at the box office and i think that this was just a failed attempt and it's it's terrible it's a terrible movie that being said i want to try my hardest to be nice to this movie because there are i think there are some good things in this movie um so i got my beer here hyder has his red bull because he does not drink alcohol i just want to make that a fact he does not drink alcohol only red bull and caffeine Okay, um, yeah. So we're going to be reviewing the Last Airbender, one of the worst movies of all time. I just, I just want, I just want to tell you, say one thing before we start. Go ahead, let's go. What? What is it? <laughs> it actually doubled its budget. I did not know that. But the budget is only the film production. Yeah. So marketing and stuff well, I mean, would have been a double it. So yeah. they technically just either broke even or lost money. Three hundred nineteen million. Yeah. So that's Nickelodeon movies for you guys. Anything you want to cover real quick about Avatar, your history with it, the universe, what you're excited for before we start talking about the worst movie of all time. Uh, so like I said, like Noah said, me and him have been here since we, since Avatar Studios got announced. We are OGs, man. We have been going crazy. I think that's honestly part of the biggest reasons we want to start a podcast because I'm looking forward to potentially talk about that stuff oh my god man I, if I, oh my god, I can't starting next year that's the craziest part is what announced two years ago mm-hmm. and their first one comes out next year yep they have a live action series going first of all you saw the casting for that shit already yeah uh the netflix series looks fucking amazing too and i we're gonna be doing weekly you know reviews about that shit yeah for hopefully. sure hopefully so. uh other than that let me, let me like i said like Noah said multiple times already not all of this shit has been good. No. 
and let's get started on one of well, we'll be positive about it that's all i gotta say all right so i recently rewatched it you recently rewatched it but you you know everything about it already yeah uh let's just talk a little bit about why it was made first of all and um who made it m night Shyamalan. i said before you know you know him you know that name he's made a ton of movies he made this movie because his daughter wanted to be this character for halloween she goes oh i want to be this character named katara he goes oh interesting he starts to learn more about the show he watches the entire show he falls in love with the show as everybody fucking does only problem is um m night Shyamalan must have watched a completely different show than all of us because this movie is pretty much nothing like the show um there there are similarities but there's not a lot the similarity is that they all bend the right element is that the only reason they pronounce katara right because his daughter because likes that one. character that would fucking that would make a lot of sense that would make a lot of sense Holy shit, I just clicked in my head. <laughs> okay, so um, a, a bad omen to this movie already. The name Avatar was dropped from the title. Obviously, because we know James Cameron's Avatar as, you know, the blue people. That was being released in 2009. This movie got released in 2010. Already a bad start, though. Second bad start. They brought on the original creators, Michael DiMartino, and uh, Brian Konetsko to the movie. Um, every little piece of feedback that they gave them, they literally did not <laughs> listen to them at all. They threw it out the window. Um, so the original creators basically had no say in this movie. Even though their names are still affiliated with the movie and always will be, um, yeah, they didn't have any say on it. The world is divided into four kingdoms, each represented by the element they harness. And peace has lasted throughout the realms of water, air, earth, and fire under the supervision of the Avatar, a link to the spirit world and the only being capable of mastering the use of all four elements. When young Avatar Ong, dude, it's so hard to say it like that. Um, when young Avatar Ong disappears, the Fire Nation launches an attack to eradicate all members of the Air Nomads to prevent interference in their future plans of world domination. A hundred years pass. Um, the film begins with 14-year-old Katara, played by Nicola Peltz, and her 15-year-old warrior brother, Soka, played by Jackson Rathbone, near a river at the South Pole. They soon followed tracks of a tiger seal. When they look beneath their feet, there was something glowing below. An ice sphere appeared with a 12-year-old boy named Ong and a flying bison named Appa. 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 He, they say Appa. Um, trapped inside when Soka hits the floor with his boomerang. Unknown to them, Ong, played by a man named Noah Ringer, is the long-lost Avatar, a spiritual figure that holds the world in balance through every incarceration. Incarnation, excuse me, not incarceration. Different word. <laughs> yeah, different word. <laughs> However, his disappearance allowed the Fire Nation to declare war on the other nations, the Air Nomads, the Water Tribes, and the Earth Kingdom in their attempt to conquer the world. So, basically, the first episode uh, gets explained here in like the first five minutes of the series. The film actually starts off 
with them doing the intro. And you know the intro, the iconic intro, um, earth, water, fire, air, um, long ago. Yeah, all that stuff. They don't even do that narration. And it's just silence while these guys are doing kung fu, uh, you know, bending elements and stuff. And then we go into a fucking crawl, an opening crawl like Star Wars uh, with Katara narrating the entire uh, plot of the fucking movie, which is just stupid and it's just lazy. I think that there's so much better opportunities there to, to introduce us to this world and they fucking choose an opening crawl like Star Wars. It's really stupid. The thing that bothers me the most with it is the way they go about, first of all, four nations. Right. Why the fuck did they call them kingdoms? Because one of the nations is split into two kingdoms. Right. And then, and this is the opening scene. I'm just going to talk about the opening scene. You, there's so many movies that go, that don't skip the intro because of how important it is to the movie. Yep. That intro locks you in. You're like, okay, this is one of the most classic things. Mm-hmm. And all of television, mm-hmm. let's fucking play it. Dude, you had the rights to play it. You talked to the, you had the owners on board, or the creators on board with you. Yeah. Also, was if I'm remembering correctly, Aang was not in the ground. He was in like a fucking like iceberg. Yeah. He was above the ground. They like slid down off the iceberg. I think I think in the cartoon it did rise up though. Oh, okay. From the water. Let's talk about the casting of of Soka. And Katara real quick. So, so you know, the casting of everyone. Um, Nicola Peltz and Jackson Rathbone. Don't really know them. You might know Nicola Peltz from Transformers. You might know Jackson Rathbone from Twilight playing one of the baseball vampires or whatever. But other than that, you know, they weren't really like huge. And uh, oh, also they're white. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, they're, they're white like people. Super pale. Very, uh, very icy. And uh they're supposed to be playing Inuit. Blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, pretty accurate to the show. Of, you, know, you know, he had the same hair and stuff. She had the hair loopies. Yeah. That's all that matters. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a theme <laughs> that nobody looks exactly like how they're supposed to look. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, Ong. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. He's not that far off. No, no, no. Uh, look. Bald kid. If you would have told me in the show. Oh, yeah. He's supposed to be white. I would have believed you. He looks like a little white kid that's bald. Yeah. You know, he he doesn't really... He looks the least Asian out of out of any of the characters in the show. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So, you know, I, I don't, Aang isn't really the, the one that bothers me here. But uh, Soka and Katara look stupid. When people go colorist like Hollywood, that is the main definition. They're, they're dark in the show. So, like... And me watching this movie for the first time at like 11 years old, Middle Eastern kid, like, what the fuck? <laughs> also, M. Night Shyamalan, you, you are a brown-skinned man. That's what's confusing, too, is because he is Asian. He's Southeast Asian. He's, and he yeah. watched a show about Asians and decided to cast white people and casted Southeast Asians as the Fire Nation. That's what I was going to get into. As the villain. You, you casted your own racial grouping. As the bad people in your movie. Was there something happening behind the scenes that, that M. Night Shyamalan can't talk about or something? Did Nickelodeon like force this on you guys? Speak up. Like, I mean, we're no, here. Because we, we've always seen with the two shows, the two Airbender shows or Avatar shows that we've had, have zero problems with color. Exactly. And they have zero problems with 
anything really because they cross borders into like all bunch of shit they mm-hmm. go into sexuality they go into like religion religion so. oppression uh even go into like fucking uh what's the word You're wiping out a whole race of yeah. ethnic cleansing <laughs> they yeah. even get to ethnic cleansing in this yeah. show so you take basically a whole i mean obviously we're just talking about the, the opening scene yeah. but just as a movie as a whole this movie is so simple compared to the lore of the avatar series yeah um and it just sucks, man, because like they made it the the show itself is less of a kid's show than the movie. The movie is definitely a kid's movie. That's the thing is I don't consider Avatar Last Airbender a kid show. Mm-hmm. It had violence. It had a, an entire history behind it because you these are not she's not he's not the first Avatar. Yeah, there's generations before him. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. So, Zuko, the disgraced prince of the Fire Nation. Sees the light from Aang's release. Oh, sorry. Ong. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Ong's release and arrives at the Southern Water Tribe to demand the villagers to hand over the Avatar, the only person capable of manipulating or bending all four elements of air, water, earth, and fire. So far, this is, might have been one of the only scenes in the entire movie that's kind of close to the show. Yeah. The, Sees the, the light. Yep. Goes to the village. Yeah. Presses everybody in the village. Speaking of, uh, that's where we see... Uncle Iro, not Iro, Uncle Iro, uh, show up for the first time. He looks nothing like, first, like, I don't care. Okay, look, you can look different. That's fine with me. I don't care. Like, they're recasting um, uh, The Little Mermaid. She's being played by a black woman now. That's fine. Yes. And I've even made the argument before uh, for Avatar that, it doesn't matter if they were right white or not because this is a fake universe and they don't really even have ethnicities uh, in the original Avatar show. It's it's Fire Nation, Water Tribe, Earth Kingdom, and Air Nomads. But you start to see that they are a lot uh, more inspired by Asian cultures. And, you know, as a 10-year-old kid, I didn't really care, but as a 22-year-old I'm looking at it and I'm like, yo, no, these these people should be Asian, at least, like at least some of them, um, and yeah, no, we got we got these white people, uh, which hey, I don't I don't mind, I don't mind because uh, you know I'm I'm not gonna lie, Aang did pretty well in this movie, just the writing is pretty terrible. I actually don't mind <clears throat> the character that is uh, Dev Patel is Zuko. This might have been one of his worst movies, but it's still Dev Patel. Yeah, no, and you can tell that the the script is bad because Dev Patel is a great actor. Yeah, because in a few years, either before this or after this, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire. He did uh, The Green Knight that recently came out a couple years ago. Yeah, Life of Pi, I think. Life of Pi. He had a supporting role in Lion, so he's obviously a great actor. Um, We just like to forget this one. Let's move forward. This is, again, remember, I think this is one of the only scenes in the entire movie that I can remember until the very, very end, was almost directly part of the show. Ong gets brought back to the village by Katara and Soka. Okay? And um, there's one scene where Katara goes into the into the tent, and he's, you know, putting his clothes on, and she sees her tattoos, his tattoos, and they're airbending tattoos. That's one thing that I don't really mind. His tattoos look pretty cool. The design of it looks pretty cool. And um, but this is the the one instance in the movie that you can tell that the pacing and the editing is going to be off because they're trying to shove a whole season of television into an hour and forty five minute movie. 
And you can tell right there um, because they just skipped over so much character development from the moment that that iceberg opens up and you meet Aang. Um, you know, you have all this dialogue and conversation, but in the movie, it skips over that completely. The iceberg opens up, they see someone in there, and then you skip directly into the village already where she sees her tattoos, his tattoos, excuse me. So, already a bad start. Again, you have no problem with the tattoos. I also have no really pro- not really problem with it. That was like a good example of based off of. It's what they should have always said it was. Mm-hmm. They should not have been based on. Because mm-hmm. his tattoos are not curly and stuff and like uh-huh. drawn out. So again, this movie bothers me because the the way that they call it, they they say it's based on the show. So, um, where were we? Um, just saw the tattoos. Okay, so, uh, Zuko comes in, and you know he Zuko. Zuko, excuse me, sorry. Oh my god, I'm so stupid. Zuko comes in and uh, basically tries to take over this village because he senses, not senses, but he thinks that the the avatar is there. Zuko needs the avatar. Uh, he needs to capture the avatar to regain his honor, right? That's the whole thing. Everybody knows that. Uh, fans of the show, they know that, right? Um, but we don't know why in this movie. And I, I'm, I'm going to look at it more of um, a film. Whereas, like, I don't know, you can you can handle all the, the similarities between the shows. But as a film, we don't know why this kid is bad. The first time we see him is him looking up at the light, which, like you said, is reminiscent of the show. But then after that, he's, you know, going straight to the to the village trying to capture this kid. And we just don't know why, you know. Also, um, this Fire Nation army is one of the worst armies I've ever seen. And this is where we see uh, some of the bending, uh, the Fire Nation bending. They change it from the show. So there's a pot of fire, right? sitting uh sitting in this village there's a pot of fire and in the show firebenders what made them so dangerous was that they can create fire from inside you know they use their anger and it creates fire um in this movie they have to have fire around them to firebend so we see one of these um one of these soldiers take some of the fire from the pot and like scare other villagers away and um the CGI looks iffy, and it's gonna be like that for the rest of the movie. What, what what bothered me a lot about that scene specifically is this is me rewatching it recently, like in like the last few years and stuff. Um, in the show, I can't remember. I think it's season. It's one of the last seasons. They make it a point that the the reason the fire is such a dangerous element is even if it doesn't hit you, it can still burn you because mm-hmm. of how close you are to the heat. The fact that this dude's just swinging fire around, like it's, yeah, no, 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 that's just it's it's stupid. It's a stupid fucking movie. Yeah, and also, firebenders in the grand scheme of bending are the most technical benders, right? Because they have to be very deliberate with their fire. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole point in the show in the first season when Aang is learning firebending for the first time, because if you mishandle it, you can hurt somebody. Yeah, without wanting to. Yes. So. This dude just recklessly swinging fire around is not one again. Remember that he's guarding the prince of the Fire Nation. No way this elite soldier is just swinging around fire. Um, with Zucko and the Fire Nation basically threatening to take all of the elderly and kill all of the elderly unless Ong surrenders himself, 
Ong surrenders himself um, in order to save the village. But as he gets on the ship, he escapes the Fire Nation ship and flies to Appa, uh, brought by Katara and Sokka. So, again, this is the first, like, 15 minutes. It, it seems like I'm skipping over a lot. No, that's the this first. Is how it, this is how yeah. it happens. Um, this is the first 15 minutes. Which is about, what, seven episodes of the first season? No, oh, no, no. It's no, the no, first no, few no. episodes. But the bending shit, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, this is the first 15 minutes of the episode. And uh, it it feels like they're rushing through it. And it sucks because, like, television and film are, are two different mediums. One of them, you you can take your time with both of them. But it just sucks because the film is so blatantly trying to rush through this first episode when the first episode is one of the most important parts of that whole story, of that whole book one. It gives you four characters. It gives you, well, it actually gives you six characters. Mm-hmm. It gives you Katara like being this like aloof person who just thinks that everything's good and stuff. Sokka being like the older brother, Aang being this careless like kid who just has bending abilities. It gives you Zuko's like motivation. It also gives you Iroh's relationship with Zuko. Mm-hmm. And then oh, we haven't mentioned him yet. I don't think we've seen him yet. But General Zha- General Zhao. Yeah. Um, we're gonna see him in a little bit. Yeah. But also another thing I want to point out. Again, you say you have no problem with people switching things up. Mm-hmm. Appa. Yeah, Appa looks like uh, one of the Fuck. monsters from Where the Wild Things Are. Yeah, and. Again, remember Appa now, especially, is one of the most beloved characters in the entire show. Yeah, I have Appa on my arm. I was gonna say that you also have Appa tattooed on you. Yeah. Um. So they the CGI again is just not that great. I think that like I don't know everything that they try to pay homage to the original show, they just fail. Mm-hmm. And it 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 shows a lot. The trio travel to Ong's homeland at the Southern Air Temple where Ong learns he was in the iceberg for a century and that the Fire Nation wiped out the other nomads, including his guardian, Monk Gyatso, which they say uh, fine in the in the movie. In despair, Ong enters the Avatar state, sorry, Avatar state, and finds himself in the spirit world where he encounters a dragon spirit. Katara's pleas bring Ong out of the Avatar state. We're just jumping. We're a jumping lot. point to point. And um, have you ever seen Rogue One? Yes. Uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know how in the first hour, they just jump from planet to planet to, you know, galaxy to galaxy to galaxy? Yeah. This is what it feels like. Um, they, again, first 15 minutes, you get introduced to Aang. You get introduced, sorry, Ong. You get introduced to Ong and Katara and Soka and then Zuko. And um, now they're leaving. And now they're at Ong's fucking birthplace or whatever. And... Ong's going into the Avatar state. You're learning so much shit that was spread out over the first, what, like maybe four episodes, I'd say. The first four episodes, 25 minutes each. That's about an hour. And, uh, yeah, no, that's like two hours. And we're getting through that in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. They're not taking the care uh, into this story. I, I, I want to point out one thing, though, because in my opinion, and this is one of my favorite things from the show, is in, in the, like, the, the genocide of the airbenders, mm-hmm. they made it a point to show seven bodies around Monkey Yatsu. They, that's the reason that the Fire Nation attacked the Air Nation. Mm-hmm. 
Because remember, these people are nomads. They're peace-loving people. But if they decided to, to weaponize themselves, would have wiped out every nation. Yeah, they are fucking dangerous. But also, we have to, we have to talk about... Uh, the Fire Nation knew that the next Avatar... Was going to be an airbender. Yes, because it's a cycle. Yeah. So they, that's also part of the reason. But as we see later down the line um, in Avatar and in The Legend of Korra, uh, the airbenders are not to be fucked with. Yeah. So they leave. Uh, the group arrives at an Earth Kingdom village controlled by the Fire Nation. And when they are arrested and imprisoned, they incite a rebellion, battling and defeating the Fire Nation soldiers occupying the village. Ong tells Katara and Sokka that he only knows airbending and has yet to master the other three elements. And they make their way to the Northern Water Tribe where Ong can learn the waterbending or learn from the waterbending masters. Um, this whole fucking scene, man, it's, I've said that this movie has been rushed, but this is like an instance where they rush through so many important details and storytelling by, um, making it a montage of just them going from place to place to place and, uh, fighting people and freeing people from, you know, fire nation. And it, it's over in like five minutes and we're just supposed to go with it. Um, these are supposed to be our heroes. And in the show, they spend a whole season. You have whole episodes of them freeing like people, like they go to villages and, Oh, there's a bad guy here. Uh, how can we help them? They free this, uh, one of my favorite episodes from episode or season one was when they went to the village and they, um, they had to encounter that spirit monster and Aang has to go into the spirit world. And it's just an entire episode focused on that village and they blow by it in this movie in five minutes using montages. I mean, they, they blow by, understand, they mention that this is one kingdom, one in, completely incorrect, because this is like two kingdoms and an island, is what the Earth Nation is. And then the disrespect to their bending is crazy. Yeah, so how it opens up is that they get imprisoned and arrested and they get thrown into a little camp where they're holding. By the way, this camp is outside uh, with rocks and dirt and earth all around them. From what I remember, besides the sticks and the hay on top, the camp, the, the jail is made out of rocks. They're literally outside on earth. And they're being imprisoned. All these earthbenders are being imprisoned. And uh, the Fire Nation is just there with like one big pot of fire, right? So like, what the fuck are they going to do? Um, so then... This whole scene happens with uh with with Aang, sorry, Ong and Soka and Katara basically starting the the revolution. Um they do this one take. <laughs> they do this one take uh with with Katara running up to one of the guards and pushing him and and the 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 guard gets mad, tries to firebend at her, but then suddenly Earthbenders around them find out that they can use the earth to actually earthbend. And they finally fucking earthbend a little shield that protects Katara from the fire. And then these five fucking earthbenders do this little dance, do this little marching parade to move one rock, one rock at the soldiers. And it that's our, our revolution. They basically just convince earthbenders that, hey, no, you guys can, you guys can earthbend still. 
And that's our whole fucking revolution. It's so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. We know I didn't know until reading the cast listing. I I don't remember it. Do you know who was in that Earth Nation? Who? Jet. He was? Yep. He's casted as somebody in that Earth Nation. Really? Yep. Oh, that's disappointing. So skipping over Jet, Katara, and Aang's entire like character arc. Yeah. Skipping over the fact that Jet was willing to wipe out his town to f- free them. That's he, one of the better episodes also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, skipping over the fact that one Earthbender equals like five Fire Nation soldiers. One Earthbender in their home territory... And you think it takes five to move one rock? No, it's so stupid. They, the way that they portray bending in this show, it's it's almost as if like you're using the force. Yeah. In Star Wars, but like it's like you're you're a beginner at using the force. So you're not like Darth Vader, where you can just literally lift someone up with ease, right? And it's really stupid. You you have five fucking people. Uh, marching, and when I mean marching, they're not just like you know, boom, doom, doom. They're doing all these movements just to move one rock up and then one rock that way to hit somebody. It's so dumb. It was one of my first experiences with what I could immediately tell was horrible cinematography. No, yeah, cameras standing still, and instead of panning with them, they march on screen. Yeah, no, let's and talk rock about floats that by. Yeah, let's talk about that shit because the cinematography. Um, and this is a problem in a lot of uh, M. Night Shyamalan's movies. The cinematography here is boring. Yeah. You have such great art that you can pick from. And the fact that the, the camera movements and the camera angles of this movie are just so fucking boring and bad. There's a couple shots where, um, you know, you, you have a close up of these two characters talking and it's so zoomed into their face. Like all you see is their face. You you know you're supposed to have a little bit of headroom depending on what kind of shot you have when you're shooting. Um, it's just their fucking face, <laughs> their whole face. What was I gonna say? What this is this is my what my opinion. I've I think I've said this to you, but about M Night Shyamalan. I don't know how he lucks in or makes the greatest concepts or gets gifted a great concept and fucks it up every time. I promise you, I can I can make a great fucking avatar movie yeah i promise you a lot of avatar fans can make a great fucking i sent i sent you that that person that uh like edited a clip of uh this little girl pretending to be tough fighting three uh fire soldiers yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of fan films did this better than a fucking movie with a 150 million dollar budget i don't think people understand how much money that is 150 million dollars people on youtube are doing it for like less so much less than that they're doing it so much better than a fucking big time director in a big time studio with a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. What personally bothers me the most is this is supposed to be a love project for him. Yeah, which I don't believe because we had to have he had to have watched like a porn version of Avatar or something. I'm telling you, he read the comics and decided to say the names himself. Yeah, no, he like he, there's no way that he could have heard those fucking names and was like, mm, let me change it. It doesn't sound correct. And um, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko, he was doing a panel a couple years back, and they, they asked him about it. They asked him about the uh, the movie The Last Airbender directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And um, he brought up a good point. He said that M. Night Shyamalan, with the names, he said that he wanted the names to, to sound more uh, 
respectful to the to to their like you know their nations or their tribes so they're white how they would say it. yeah they're white why are they white if you wanted to be respectful to the cultures and how they would pronounce things why are they white if we honestly right now me and noah could sit here and sit here for fucking four hours and tell you how much we hate this movie we're gonna continue <laughs> so um let's see we get that little montage and um they're basically just freeing a bunch of villagers and stuff going about their time um as you guys know if you have watched the movie or sorry if you watched the um the series uh majority of the season one is them trying to get to the the northern water tribe and that's where the finale takes place so we 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 get back to the fire nation stuff okay during a side trip to the northern air temple ong is betrayed by a peasant and he's captured by fire nation archers led by commander zhao the person who plays Commander Zhao, by the way, is actually fairly good actor. Yeah, I was gonna say that he mm-hmm. is probably outside of Aang, Ong, and uh, yeah, say it right, bro. Yeah, and Zuko. Yeah, probably the best actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, he, Zhao is just a shitty person. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a masked marauder called the Blue Spirit helps Ong escape. Zhao realizes that Zuko is the blue spirit and has a crossbowman fire, a bolt that knocks Zuko out. Sorry, Zuko. Uh, but Ong uses his skills to escape with the unconscious Zuko. Ong watches over Zuko until the morning and then leaves to reunite with Sokka and Katara. Zhao tries again to kill Zuko by blowing up his ship, but Zuko secretly survives and sneaks aboard Zhao's ship. Um, by this paragraph, you probably have no idea what the fuck is going on, uh, but that's how the movie plays out. You really don't understand what the fuck is going on because they jump so many times. Uh, basically, what they're they're trying to you know replicate is the blue spirit stuff, and Zuko being the the blue blue spirit. Twenty minutes ago, we were on episode one. Yeah. This is episode thirteen. Yeah. Blue spirit is episode thirteen. Which for twenty minute episodes, that's a long fucking time. Yeah, that is it by itself. That could have been a whole season. Right. We still have more of this season to go, and we are what? How long into this movie? Also, the Blue Spirit itself, that character, is what a lot of people arguably say is Zuko's true character. Like it's what he his like motivations and stuff. What he actually wants to be. Right. So the fact that it got introduced as just some spinoff way of him getting Ong out of there. Why the fuck would he want to do that if that's what he wants? He wants to capture Ong. Like you said, this is like Zuko's way of uh, being who he really is without the title of yes. Fire Prince. Like, mm-hmm. um, but in this movie, it's basically just an excuse for Zuko to capture. Sorry, Zuko to capture the Avatar himself mm-hmm. with a mask on. That's it. That's the entire motivation for this. Also, another thing, uh, if you talk to anybody who helped like choreograph the old show and who is continuously choreographing the new show that was zuko showing off how like good his mastery at kung fu was or like martial arts because he's using two swords he's not using firebending yeah and that's the whole point is zuko is a master of so many different things right and they're just showing it off it'll go further into the show that's an important thing uh upon arriving Ong and company are welcomed by the citizens of the Northern Water Tribe, and waterbending master Paku 
which they say correctly, um, teaches Ong and Katara. The Fire Nation arrives, and Zhao begins his attack, while Zuko continues his independent search for the Avatar. After defeating Katara in ba- By the way, they don't say Zuko. I'm just making fun of them. They actually do say Zuko in this movie. Um, Zuko captures Ong, who re-enters the Avatar state to search for the Dragon Spirit for help to defeat the uh, Fire Nation. The Dragon Spirit advises him to use the ocean and show the power of water. This is where the whole like final battle scene starts. And um, it skipped over a bunch of stuff in this paragraph, but you really don't uh, you really don't like miss a lot. Um, what really you're missing is like the introduction of Princess Yue. Right. And um, this whole they try, man, they try really hard to, to build a bond between Soka and, and Princess Yue, which I will give them credit for. They tried really hard to make us care about that, but in the end, still, these are two weak-ass characters who don't really have a lot to do in the grand scheme of things. And, yeah. Let me also say another thing. Master Paku did not fuck with Katara. He did not like her. didn't want to train her. So for them to accept right away, it was also another thing. They did not get accepted right away. They also don't get to the Northern Wire Tribe by, like, episode... 18 yeah it, it, we're skipping past we're, we're gonna get on this past this is an entire season and i think like a half basically yeah so Paku, hour and Paku made it a point to not train katara right because he didn't and if it, it was it was another thing like i said we said this show was very revolutionary and that they didn't care about like getting into adult topics mm-hmm. it was it was because she was from the southern water tribe mm-hmm. and they were the northern water tribe they were not going to train somebody who was considered their enemy yeah so the fact that in this movie, oh yeah, no, we'll train you, just with no resistance. Also, Paku, why he Paku's an older man. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was in his mid like forties. Everybody in this fucking movie was miscast. Yeah, Paku specifically though, because Paku is also supposed to be her grandma's like love interest. Mm-hmm. You know, something that we didn't talk about really was uh, Prince Zuko's father, the Fire Lord, Fire Lord uh, Ozai, Cliff Curtis. <laughs> I have that one. Cliff Curtis, which is really weird if you've seen the movie, then like he does not look like a Cliff Curtis. But uh, in the original show, we don't see uh, Fire Lord Orzai's face until, until like season two or season three, it's, maybe. It's right after he drowns. Uh... Yeah. Uh, we see his face in the first like 25 minutes. Yeah. And they, they basically put a face to this threat, this huge threat that has been looking uh, Aang directly in his eyes for for what what is the span like months or whatever um I they, mean, they put a face to this in the first 25 minutes of the movie and it's cliff curtis's face nobody is scared of cliff curtis i mean they didn't do anything to make him scary at all uh the writing for it was literally just hey we're gonna show you guys that he's the fire lord you guys don't know what the Fire Lord means, but he's the Fire Lord, so be scared of him. Please. Do you remember the introductory scene to the Fire Lord in Avatar Last Airbender? Uh, it, it, I remember a lot of, um, in season one, a lot of, what do you call it, like shots of his arm, shots of him in um, in shadows and stuff like so that. So the introductory scene is it's he, he pans in from darkness uh-huh. and he's sitting at his throne. Remember, his, his throne isn't like him sitting in a big-ass chair. 
It's him on his knees in like a, a praying position mm-hmm. with rows of fire in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. And Azula to his left. Mm-hmm. And then it pans in and then it finally lights up his face for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he sends Azula to go get them. And then that's how we get into season two. Yes. Yeah. Um, that would have been perfect. And we'll talk about Azula later in the post credit scene. Because there's a fucking post credit scene to this movie. The, the Avatar <laughs> extended universe. Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. So, okay. Where were we? Uh, they're at the Northern Water Tribe. Paku accepts them. Paku accepts them. UA and Sokka. UA and Sokka, they tried really hard. Didn't really get there. Um, that's just my opinion. Again, it's just lazy writing. I think that the entire movie was lazily written, which sucks because you have a whole season worth. Uh, really a whole series but a whole season worth of content that you could have drawn from and you can't think of anything better than oh uh, Katara will narrate the fact that uh, Sokka and Yue became really good friends Katara literally tells the audience my brother and her became really good friends that's how you find out that they became really good friends and it's just lazy as fuck okay so Upon arriving, like I said, Ang's group is welcomed warmly by the citizens of the Northern Water Tribe. Um, Sokka befriends the Water Tribe princess, Yue. After a few agreements, waterbending master Paku finally teaches Ang waterbending. So, the Fire Nation fleet, they uh, begin their attack. And Zuko starts looking for the Avatar on his own, capturing Ang as he enters the spirit world. Uh, so, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, returning to his body... Ong battles Zuko, Zuko, excuse me, before Katara freezes him. So this whole sequence, I thought was actually pretty accurate to to the show. Um, the whole part of you know Zuko like just looking for for Aang uh, with his little canoe and he's like going around the the Northern Water Tribe. Uh, all that stuff was actually pretty good, and the fight was actually pretty good between them. Um, then you see Zhao come in. You see him kill the fish, uh, which they call Yin and Yang, which is fucking annoying. But they call him Yin and Yang, and uh, they kill one of the fish, and Yue dies because she's connected to the moon spirit. Uh, so Yue dies. Oh, well, we didn't really have that much fucking you know connection to her anyway because the writing in this movie is trash, and they didn't make us like Yue in this movie. So she dies, but we don't care. So, skipping over the fact that, one, she didn't die right away in the show. She was she gave her life to save that. Yes, which is a huge part. That, that is I legit because it, it drops the moon, which makes the firebender stronger. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole point in the show that that's the reason Zhao kills that fish. Yeah. Is to make the firebender stronger in that moment because they would have gotten destroyed by the water. Was it the firebender stronger or, or the, it makes the waterbenders yeah, weaker? Yeah, which essentially, you know, makes them stronger than them. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. It was waterbenders weaker. You're right. Uh, it's when the comet happens that the firebenders mm-hmm. are stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yue gives up her life, but that's not the most important thing here. The reason that the fans had such a deep connection to Yue mm-hmm. is, like we always say, the Avatar cycle is an everlasting thing. It will always be there. Yue, to many fans, was supposed to be the next Avatar. And that's the reason that they Wait, she had. Yeah, that was to many fans. She was supposed to be the next Avatar. That's the reason she has this connection to the Moon Spirit. Mm. And so you get it because, you know, she, water is the next cycle. Okay. And Aang was supposed to live until about 90 and Yue is 15. And he's been gone for 100 years. 
So the time he would have died mm-hmm. would have been the time that Yui was born. Yeah. Making her the next Avatar. Right. It's just a fan theory, but the writers also like joke about it. So that's the reason that a lot of fans enjoy like Yue being there. Also, the relationship with Sokka. That's the first time you get the hint that Sokka is like a womanizer. He began some bitches in this show. The Let back, me tell you, the backbender. The backbender. Hey, he can't. He can't bend on elements, but he can bend some backs. Yes. So yes, that's not, again. Is also when you realize Sokka is a capable warrior because they put him to guard Yue. Well, I mean, they didn't guard him very well. She didn't. He didn't I mean, he did. He did guard her very <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, okay. And then she was like, she killed herself. I'm out. Uh. So yeah, a whole bunch of character development for them was skipped Gone. over, just completely. So you don't get you don't get any connection to Sokka being like this great person. Yeah, you don't get any connection to Katara willing to like defend Aang and Aang willing to defend Katara and Sokka and the entire nation because he want, doesn't want to fight. You don't have this. Um, you don't have this. You know, challenge that Katara has to go through trying to learn waterbending because keep in mind in the first season she's trying to learn waterbending too yeah she's you know, still she young. knows she knows her powers but she's still trying to master it also and she's trying to get that wisdom from master paku but she couldn't get it uh for a while and then this movie they're just totally fine with you know training trainer um so you lose a lot of character development and a lot of characters around this movie um i can't tell you one character that like actually develops through the entirety of the movie Ong doesn't even have a fucking character he, he, character arc. He has no personality. No personality either, yeah. You're so focused on the other characters. See, what's crazy to me is that, like, you know, Aang's should have been, like, the easiest one to do. Like, oh, like, I ran away from my, my responsibilities. I'm finally going to do it. But they don't even do that correctly. Did, did they did they get into why he ran away? Yeah, they do, like, a little flashback with him oh, and Monk Gyatso. I forgot but, about that. You're right. It is that. Yeah. So, that's basically all you get. And then obviously exposition. So, and then I just realized another thing. Um, Master Paku, he'd be in the top fifteen most important characters in the show later into the season because he's one of the White Lotus. Yeah, and the fact that they just are like, yeah, this is some old guy that trains him. Well, I, I, okay, I, I agree with that. Yeah, but, but like it should like, have been a little deeper if they wanted to continue. Because like imagine this, the well, reason... No, they definitely did want to continue. I imagine this was supposed to be a continuation like movie. Like they were supposed yeah. to continue with this. They said book one at, yeah. like, in the first Book one seconds. water. That's another thing that bothers me. Book one water. The water nation was the last 30 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was it was the entire fight and ending. They would never like in the water nation to be in the water nation. If you watch this movie from from the point it begins to the point that they go to the fire, uh, the water tribe, then you would basically have no idea that that was their entire goal was to get to the water tribe. You wouldn't have any fucking clue um, because they just did not do a good job of setting the story up and why they needed to get there. The show does it so much better. Um, you obviously know like why these guys want to go to the, to the water tribe. Um, but if you're watching the movie... You kind of just appear at the water tribe and you're like, oh shit, why are we here? You know, that's how it feels. Okay. So, yeah, Yue explains to everybody that the moon spirit gave her life, willing to give it back as she dies in the process. Uh, with the tables turned, Zhao is drowned by other waterbenders, four fucking waterbenders who corner him as this whole entire battle is, is going on. Um, Zuko and Iro leave him to his fate, and Ong uses the ocean. By forming a gigantic wave to drive the entire uh, Fire Nation army back. This this battle, first of all, the choreography and the and the camera work in it 
is trash. Uh, you have a bunch of slow motion. You have a bunch of high frame rate slow motion, uh, which is like basically trying to show details to, you know, make sure that you see all of the water getting bended or all of the fire, you know, barely missing these characters and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just, it's a stylistic thing. But the action sequences in Avatar are some of the best in animated history, but also just history in general. And we, we've touched on the fact that you have all of this, you know, this source material. I just feel like the movie should have had better fight choreography and better camera angles and better cinematography in general. Um, it's just all boring. This final battle is dark. Uh, you know, the water nation or sorry, the water tribe is just like a, a light source right in the show until like the eclipse. But the the majority of the, the movie, it's dark. You can't really see anything. And these water tribe soldiers look stupid. They're all white, first of all. And they all don't look like they're soldiers. Like there's one, no offense to this guy, but there's one like kind of pudgy kid. Doesn't he? He's in the water tribe. He does not look like he belongs there. You know what I'm saying? It looks like a cameo. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just a bunch of problems. And one of the problems is that it's a boring movie. Uh, no Avatar project should be boring. Yeah, it's, it's, it's people using powers to fight. It should not be boring. No, and I don't know how they fucking had the opportunity to do that. But I want to point out another thing that I just clicked in my head because I completely forgot about it until I, I like started searching it up while you were talking. Mm. During the uh, during the show when Zhao goes to go kill uh, the Moon Spirit, mm-hmm. this inc- pisses off Iroh incredibly because Iroh is all about not harming like balance and shit. He just wants to be a peaceful guy. Yeah. So this is the first time in the show where you see Iroh openly like engaging combat. Mm-hmm. You don't. I don't think. I think it cuts off before he actually starts fighting. Yeah, you see, like, yeah. You just see him power up, like he like lets like charges up this huge flame. Did that happen in the movie? Was he even there? I'll tell you what. Um, in the show, Iroh and Zuko are obviously a huge like like point. They he's supposed to be the wisdom to Zuko. Mm-hmm. In this movie, Iro has nothing to fucking say to Zuko. At all. Like, the wisdom that he had in the show completely disappeared. Um, In this, like, super, super uh, important point of the movie where General Zhao is about to stab the fish and kill it. You know, Iroh goes into this entire speech about how you need to have that balance. You can't mess with the spirits or whatever. In the in the movie, he, there's nothing. Like there's maybe one line, but then that's about it. Yes. And then fucking stabs the fish. That's about it. And it's just disappointing. And then like what they bothers me the most is he's Vice Admiral Zhao, mm-hmm. and Iroh is General Iroh. Well, it's, that's from his prior history. Yeah, no, but he's still the highest ranking official. Yeah, it was a point that was supposed to be made that Zhao doesn't respect Iroh. Mm-hmm. And that's why he, he he just openly goes at uh, Zuko all the time. Mm. It, they had zero like it was no no conflict between any of three of these characters. It was just I I hate you Zuko and Zuko's like Zhao and and Zuko in the show have a a battling you know mentality, and then you know Iroh is the wisdom for uh, for Zuko, but in the movie it's just like hey Iro and Zuko are, are traveling together. And then uh, Zuko and Zhao don't like each other. Yeah. They, like, made it so simplistic to the point where, like, it's not even worth watching because, like, there's no substance to anything that is happening in the movie. 
Um, you're literally just watching people do stuff. Uh huh. And that's not what made the show special. To me, though, what, what what the connection that I think that Zhao and Zuko always had was, is Zhao would have been what Zuko became mm. if he had just continued being this ignorant, like aggressive person. Because mm-hmm. that's all that Zhao is, just super super aggressive guy. Yeah. Who is just willing to use his flames whenever. That's the uh, the yin and the yang. Yes. As they would again, say. another balance thing. Yeah. It just it just the it misuse of everyone's like favorite character he's your like every show has a standard favorite character i don't think m night like understood the show the themes of the shows because uh, as a five-year-old i understood this stuff when this first came out like i understood what they were trying to say and what they were trying to get at but you know just i don't think m night understood any of it and it's it's really sad it's it's like i think i don't know what the fuck it is because remember i guess any director in Hollywood can be considered a good director. You got, you made it all the way there. You've made multiple movies. Mm-hmm. Did he just look at the title of where the show was from? And go, oh, this is a kid show. Like, look, I think that you know this. It's a very hard uh, task for one director who has has the task to make a a series adaptation, um, squeeze an entire series and or sorry, an entire season into an hour and a half. Um, so I give him credit for that, for trying, but that's about it. I only give you credit for trying. Literally. I wish he didn't. I, yeah. <laughs> I wish he would have just been like, nah, I'm good. You know. I feel like, how do you do that? And this is this is the part that's bothered me the most ever since I like just read, like I read this. You do that, six years later you make Split. Yeah, Split was great. Split was great. Six years later. There's no way you developed that much in six years. No. Split was a great story. There's no way you regress in that much from uh from what you had you the had village or signs. You had uh fucking un, was it the one with Bruce Willis? Uh Unbreakable. Unbreakable. That was in two thousand two. There's no way you get worse in eight years. And then upgraded no. again tw- six years later. Obviously we know that M M Night Shyamalan I mean, he's a better director than me. He's a, he'll, I have no idea how to direct. So it's like, it, it'll be a toss-up, but a lot of his films are either really bad or really good. It's, it's, so. To me, they're, they're really bad and really good at the same point. Yeah. Great story, horrible execution. Yeah. Um, so Ong now finally embraces his destiny as the Avatar. They say this. You have no idea, though, if you were watching the movie, that that was his goal. Uh, as he, Katara... And Soka prepare to continue their journey to the Earth Kingdom, which we will never see because this movie fucking failed. Um, as they try to find an earthbending teacher for Ong. Once again, they don't fucking mention that. They do not mention, oh, we have to, what's next? Earth? No, they don't do that. They end the movie with fucking uh, Ong, like looking at the camera, basically. And then we get into a post credit scene. Uh, when news of Zhao's death and Iro's betrayal reaches Fire Lord Ozai, he appoints his daughter Azula to capture both her uncle and Zuko, along with dealing with the Avatar, sorry, Avatar, before Sozin's comet returns. They were setting up sequels. Obviously, we didn't get them. There's nothing we really need to talk about that. Uh, who they casted for Azula was terrible also. So, yeah, let's get started into this. Oh, this is, again, another thing that pisses me off about this movie. 
we we have me and you. I don't know how many times you watch the show. You'd say, uh, probably like six or seven, eight, ten. A lot of times. Yeah, I'd I'd say around the same amount of times as you probably have watched it. I'd say five episodes before the end of the show is when he accepts his fate. Yeah, because in book three, you know, he goes on this whole like journey because he runs away because he's you know getting scared again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I, yeah. You don't see him fully ever actually go into Avatar State until he's fighting Ozai. Yeah. That's when he's like, true, like, I've mastered everything. He, like He goes Super Saiyan, basically. Yeah. You see him attempt to do it once against, like, Azula in, like, Season 3, I think. And then she shuts off the Avatar State. Because he, again... Yeah, Season 2, he gets shot with the lightning. Yes. Again, back. major point. The fact that... And this bothers me. That it shows Azula going after him. Did we just skip that she wasn't the first hunter to go chase him? It was Wait, June. What? Like, Azula wasn't the first person sent after him. Oh, I mean... Yeah, but June was hired by someone else. Yeah, but not, like... Not the Fire Lord. Yeah, I know, but Azula wasn't, like, even, like, a thing. Like, Zuko doesn't even... Oh, you Zuko for a while. It's June for a little bit, and then he's avoiding all these people at once. But Azula should have been, like, the most dangerous villain to them. Yeah, I mean, th- again, this this movie is like only covering the first book, and in the first book, they skipped over, or in this movie, they skipped over a lot of shit from the first book. June was one of them, and um, the post credit scene, <laughs> post credit scene, uh, has Azula teased as the next big bad, the next Thanos, and um, in the show, they they do that same thing. You know, Azula is kept until the very end. Uh, you see a glimpse of her in a couple flashbacks, but other than that, you don't really, like, understand that, yeah, Azula is going to be the, the villain of season two. Um, overall thoughts of this movie, because I fucking hated talking about it. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it really sucks. It's a really bad movie. On no fronts whatsoever, casting, cinematography, writing, CGI, acting... Was this movie good? No. Uh, I, pacing, editing. Uh, there's a lot of editing choices that I did not like. Um, weird transitions everywhere. Weird times to cut from one scene to another. Yeah. Um, very boring cinematography. Oh. Very lazy writing and just lazy uh, storytelling in general. You have Katara narrating this entire movie, which you don't need to do because there was no narration in the first in the series. And we got that just fine. Uh, why why was yeah. it so serious? It's yeah, no, I don't know. I think they saw it like they wanted to make it like a young adult, like you know, movie series like Hunger Games, shit like that. Twilight, even though that shit was ass. All right, so Twilight is one of the worst acting things I've ever seen. It's horrible acting, which we're gonna review in an upcoming uh, Bad Movie Tuesday segment that we got going on on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, this and I genuinely do mean this just because of how much like love I have for this like series is the worst movie I've ever seen it's 100% the worst movie that I've ever seen too it's just because I have like do you not like how do you not research yeah anything and like I could forgive not being uh, faithful to the source material because you make good movies in the MCU they don't do everything yeah. correct. Me and you fucking know this. Yes, I know. They we argue about this a lot. They don't do everything from the comics one to one. But 
the fact for me is that this movie is so bad. Like, technically speaking, like I said, the editing. Music wasn't even that great because you have such a great score from the first one. Um, I know you want to talk about that a little bit. Fuck me. If you remember the show, like, like, this shit is so ass. Like, I... I don't know how to like get this into people's heads. The fucking I've watched so many shit movies. I'm talking like three hundred dollars made in like fucking North Korea. <laughs> Definitely movies that did not have hundred fifty million dollars. That's the craziest part. How many Marvel movies even had that much budget? Not like majority of the the ones that came out like first. Not a lot of them. Yes, I think the first Iron Man had a hundred million dollars. Which is like that's fucking beautiful. That's a beautiful movie. Yeah. So. Uh, $150, you were the only thing after the show. I don't even think, did Korra come out at that point? No. Yeah, Korra wasn't even out they yet. They made Korra because they're like, what the fuck did he do? Yes. The sh- the if you First red flag for any of the studios helping him make this movie were the creators left. If the creators of a show are like, this fucking sucks, I'm leaving, how do you as a major studio not pull them out of that fucking movie? How do you not like, Check it. Was that a, that's what she said? Yeah. Uh, was it? No, I didn't say what that's what she said, but I guess it did. No, no, no. I'm just thinking if like it's good enough. How do you not pull them out? Yeah. Nah, nah. Nah. Uh, How do you not pull? Yeah. So, check my locket. I don't have a locket anymore, bud. Damn. I'll show you a second. Uh, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't imagine. I don't know. Like, it's, I'm thinking, like, comparable to a part, like, a project. How do you not study no. all the source material you have? He said that he he watched the entire show. He binge watched the entire show. If he had even just talked to a fan during production, yeah, I guarantee you, Ira would have been a more prevalent character. Like yeah. the names would be correct. Uh, that's just they wouldn't have been white. No, I can't say that. He was probably, he was probably casting. And I also can't. Maybe. I can't imagine that those were the people that. Went into the casting calls. Oh, no, no, no. He said uh, Nicola Peltz, the, the woman who plays uh, Katara, yeah. he's on file saying that she is one of the greatest young actresses that she, he's, he's ever worked with. Did he not work with? Oh, man. Later yeah, on, he no, works uh, with like... Uh, Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. And he like compared her to him. Which is crazy to me. He has to be lying. No, like this... It's like fucking beating a dead horse. Like I, I feel like if we asked him about this to this day, he'd be like, no, it was my, one of my best movies. No, I think he'd say the opposite. I think I, he knows how bad he did. I don't give a fuck. I, I never, I like, <laughs> I forgot going into this movie called Old, I went and watched it completely forgetting that M. Night Shyamalan directed it. Mm-hmm. And I watched the movie and was like, this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. You because just, all his movies go the fucking same. You can just tell. Uh, so yeah, guys, that's basically uh, the entirety of the Last Airbender. We do have a um, Netflix series, live action series, ten episodes uh, coming out. They're getting about fifteen million dollars each episode, which is a lot of money for streaming. And uh, there's a bunch of you know good casting in there. Apparently, really good uh, VFX workers are behind it, and a lot of them are fans. The original creators did leave the show based on creative differences. However, I think I trust it still because 
you know, everybody says that they are, are huge fans and they, they respect it. And everybody is, you know, who is casted is saying that there's something really special behind it. So I'm really excited about that. Here's here's what I think that's funny about specifically the the amount of episodes and the amount of budget they're getting per episode. Mm-hmm. Multiply that. Yeah, I know. $150 million. You know? <laughs> I think this tagged alongside of the actual Avatar Studios that's coming out. Yeah. Oh, yeah will be one of the best things ever especially for this brand of stuff they'll get more money to do whatever the fuck they want yeah so they got the the avatar uh live action series coming for netflix they got um a zuko movie a young avatar uh gang movie they got a new avatar show which is following the earthbender uh avatar that's coming and then they have uh apparently a kyoshi movie but, uh, yeah. Coming as well. Mm-hmm. I think they had a Roku a project Korra working on it. Yeah, probably a Cor- uh, Roku project also. They they have so much story to tell, and I'm really glad that we're getting it back. But we couldn't move on to the good before we talked about the bad, which was the 2010 Last Airbender M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, closing thoughts on this movie? Uh, I truly mean this, and I need everyone to understand this. I don't have a favorite director. I do have a least favorite director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. I fucking hope that man suffers for what I, what I had to watch. Hey, you got to watch Knock at the Cabin, though. It was actually really good. Yeah, I, I said that. I was afraid that it was going to be the same thing, though. That's why I didn't watch it. Worst movie I've ever seen for all the stuff Noah said. And the actual disrespect to multiple nations. Because going, I'm going to culturally like stand by this is what their name should sound like with a white cast for Inuit characters. When you have the whole TV show there saying it correctly the entire yes. time. Yes. Inuit characters. Asian characters. Mm. And maybe the one white person you cast that was correct. But even then, they were probably closer to, like, Nepal. I I really, like, had no problem with uh, with who they casted as Ong. Like, yeah, no, really. I, had, I had no problem with His that. His acting's either. terrible in the movie. Um, that could just be because of the script also. But there's a lot of factors in this that, you know, just don't add up. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's our review on The Last Airbender. Um, we're really excited for the future of Avatar. And um, I, I cannot wait to keep talking about this shit because this is stuff that we've been waiting for uh, since we were kids. You know, like I didn't think we we're going to be in our 20s talking about Avatar stuff still. Potentially going to our 30s. Potentially going to our 30s. Yeah. Um, my kid is going to be watching Avatar. Oh, yeah. And even more if, than just that series. You even know? if it wasn't being new stuff, I would still. F- oh, yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to shield Zuko away from from the last Airbender, though. M. Night Shyamalan one. So. Anyways, guys, uh, thank you guys for tuning in with us. Anything else you want to say before we head out? Just let you guys know that um, John Wick 4 is coming out this week. Right. I yes. am going to be watching. Yes. Uh, we're going to be doing a John Wick review on next week's episode. And uh, stay tuned for that. Make sure you guys follow the podcast everywhere. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Um, love you guys. See you guys later. Bye. Goodbye.